is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Love Tennis Podcast with me, James Gray, and George Belshaw of Metro.co.uk. We'll begin at the beginning, because this seems like a logical place to start. It's uh, the end of a long... Well, I've come straight off a show, so for me, this is the end of a long day. I have four hours broadcasting, a five-minute break, and a dodgy Himalayan energy drink. George, you've had a rather more relaxed day, I'm sure. Well, I've I've spent my day knee deep in calculations, trying to reschedule the entire tennis calendar. So <laughs> my brain's a little bit frazzled, which All I'm right. sure we, if we've got time, we'll come on to it later. Right. You can be invoicing some people for that, though. <laughs> it is, of course, awards season, and we are the Love Tennis Podcast, and we are doing the Love Tennis Awards now. At Love Tennis Pod is our Twitter handle, and if you already follow us, which let's face it, you probably do, and if you don't, you really should be. You will have seen that we have been all week tweeting out our awards for you to vote on because, you know, we like to give awards to the people. The people should decide on the awards. We don't do it by committee. We do it by democracy because that never goes wrong, does it? <laughs> particularly no, on Twitter. Particularly <laughs> on Twitter. Boating McBoatface, <laughs> etc. Uh, of course, the first category is Player of the Year. It seemed like uh, an obvious choice. Yeah, no contest really. From the and boats. the winner of the Love Tennis Podcast Player of the Year is... <laughs> That's a drum. Does that work? No. The winner of the first inaugural Love Tennis Podcast Player of the Year is Novak Djokovic. Woo! 64% of the vote, beating out Simona Halep and Rafael Nadal. Uh, were there many honourable net mentions, George? Not overly that I thought were really worthy, I think. No. No, <laughs> not for this category. I, th- I think, to be honest, you know, Djokovic was the only person to win two Grand Slams. Mm. He finished comfortably world number one i i think you know it was a pretty straightforward category this one yeah the odd mention for rafa who had the best winning percentage 91.8 he did played significantly less though yes. and a lot of that was on clay where you'd expect him to have the best win percentage so congratulations no very good I'm season sure, as well though yeah i'm sure that this award will rank highly 
in Novak's list of achievements. Probably his biggest one of the year. I think that's. I'm just uh, one, two, yeah. No, that's more than reasonable. I think to say his biggest award of the year. Congratulations, Novak. Obviously. <laughs> Young Player of the Year, which was characterised by two baby emojis on our Twitter. Thank <laughs> I've, you I've had a good week doing social, haven't the I? The head of social media has been very busy on the Love Tennis podcast this week. Uh, and the Young Player of the Year, criteria being 21 or younger by the end of 2018. George and I definitely don't qualify, unfortunately. The four nominees were Stefanos Tsitsipas, Naomi Osaka, Alexander Zverev and Ariana Sabalenka. The winner, and I don't think anyone will argue with this, but 57% of you went with Naomi Osaka. Uh, I mean, she has had an absolute proper breakout year, hasn't she? Yeah, I mean, of those guys, she's obviously won a Grand Slam title, so Mm. that puts her front of the queue, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Zverev's finished higher ranked, but I think he was already around that ranking at the end of last season, so there's not necessarily been such a massive progress shift that... Would you like to have a little punt at Naomi Osaka's uh, career ranking at the beginning of this year? Oh, oh, I will have a punt. Yeah. Um, Right. So (laughs) it wasn't really an option, to be honest. If you said no, I'm still going to make it in my head. So I I think she she obviously had that big breakout where she won Miami early in the season, and I think that took her inside the top twenty for the first time. So I reckon she would have been start the season. I'm going to go thirty. Three. When she lost in Hobart to Yulia Puntinsveva in January 2018, she was ranked 70th in the world. Is that really that low? Yeah. So she, what was she after Miami? It was in Indian Wells, actually. Indian Wells, so sorry. Yeah, yes, yeah. quite. Yeah, because she she played Serena first round in Miami and beat her yeah. after. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Indian Wells took her from 44 to 22, and then yes. she snuck into the top 20 uh, after Roland Garros. Yeah, amazing year and the Love Tennis Podcast player, a young player of the year, Naomi Osaka. (laughs) Biggest disappointment of the year is one that's very close to my heart because I spent spent ATP World Tour Finals last year sitting next to you predicting Grigor Dimitrov double faults (laughs) because actually you know when Grigor's going to double fault because there's something, he hits his first serve and if he's forced to hesitate in any way, he will double fault. But he came through that bottle jobbing and won the ATP World Tour Finals, and we all thought, you know what, Grigor, this is your year. There were a number of others whose year we thought it might be. Joanna Conta, Maria Sharapova, Jack Sock. But the biggest disappointment, 51% of you agree, Grigor Dimitrov. I think that's more than fair. I mean, Jack Sock, I think we could have seen coming, because he weirdly got into the top 10. But it's perhaps been more dramatic than we've expected, how bad he's been. Yes, I mean, he can't win a single match anymore. He's not allowed to. Now, the... There was an excellent comment suggestion on this category. Uh-huh. And if I had my time again, she would have 100% been in the uh, four nominees. Who would you have re-nominated? Garbine Muguruza. Yeah, that's a very good point. It's a very, very good shout. What, um, what's I, happened to her this year? It's been really, really disappointing. She's had a it? couple of different injuries, hasn't she? I think she's just not found form. She had a bit of a run at the uh, French Open. She did quite well. Mm. Was it? I can't remember semi-finals or finals. In semi-finals, she lost to Halep quite comfortably. Yeah. In the semi-finals, um, and I think, you know, when you go for him losing, you, you had a Grand Slam title at Wimbledon the year before. That's obviously going to take some ranking points off. But I'm pretty sure she's dropped to the very bottom of the top twenty mm, now. Yeah. Um, she's someone I thought was going to push on, and someone we've been talking about winning a Grand Slam every year for the next 
five years really and to see a slide like that it's almost like angelique kerber's drop um from in 2017 it really really surprised me um so she would certainly be a close contender with dimitrov i think but dimitrov is still a worthy winner of this award yeah it's so disappointing as well because i think i was pretty excited and not adamant but i sort of thought that might be a moment for dimitrov which he needs coming of age yeah really needed that just sort of buzz but then of course he had a an injury coming into the clay court season i think which probably didn't help uh, and just hasn't hit the heights i also think he got some rotten draws i seem to remember he drew stanford rinker in the first round Mm. of two different grand slams and that like if 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 you don't do that and you go to the fourth round or the quarterfinal of both those grand slams i think it completely changes the color of your year and and yes that's a fair point because you know while Vavrinka is quite streaky himself in the first rounds Dimitrov also a lot of tournaments if he warms himself through and finds his range on a surface he's not always the sharpest in a first round match mm. compared to how he grows into it I think that's typical of a lot of guys with one-handed backhands actually I think it it's a sort of shot where the uh, the bounce of the ball the new surface really on that shot particularly changes your timing so much yeah. that I think that's a really, really good point, to be fair. Yeah, Clay doesn't suit him. And then, yeah, he drew Stan in the first round at Wimbledon and lost in five, four. Yeah. Mm. He drew Stan in the first round of the US and lost in straight sets. You know, obviously, he was coming in as a, a you know, a non-entity because of his ranking because mm. of injury. So he did get a bit unlucky. And then the back end of the season, the, the list of blokes he's lost to is not... <laughs> Dusan Leovich, who, to be fair... He's I, had a good year. I hope Dusan Leovich doesn't listen to this podcast because I'm not very nice about him. He's the bloke I always tend to go to when it's like <laughs> no one wants to watch this player. I'll tell you what, I saw Dusan Leovich in Madrid in one of his best friends. I think he reached the quarterfinal, so he mm-hmm. beat Del Potro. And he was fantastic. Played really, really well. So I, I credit to him. He's had a very, very good year for what he is okay. as a tennis player. So right. he's not our biggest disappointment of the year. No, he's not. I mean, he's gone from 75 to 50, which is just like the most Dusan Leovich year ever. <laughs> On to comeback of the year. This is great because there there are a couple of very valid nominees here. Serena Williams, Novak Djokovic, Kane Ishikori, and let's not forget how the depths that he plumbed, uh, and Bethany Matek-Sands, who I mean, I don't think any of us will forget the day she got injured at Wimbledon yeah. with that horrific knee injury. It was overwhelming. Uh, Novak Djokovic was 72% of the vote. I'm surprised it was that big. I, I, I quite tweeted this one and said, I think this is going to be close. I mm. thought Novak and Serena would be really, really tight on that. I suppose it's when you think that at the beginning of the year, Novak was like rolling in serves. You know, even after his first elbow surgery, and we all thought, well, actually, hang on, this might be the end. This might That might be mm. it for Novak, which would have been almost unthinkable. Yeah, yeah. So that, I suppose when you think about that, and I appreciate everything Serena's been through, you know, I mean, we've talked about it so much and obviously it's a huge amount. But yeah, I suppose that's what swung it in the end yeah. is the fact that even at the beginning of the year, we were worried Novak coming back looked like he might never play again. And first man to finish year-end number one having been outside the top 20 in a year. I mean, that, that's the sort of feat that's remarkable. Oldest ever well, year-end world number one for the men as well. Is he? He is. Oldest ever year-end number one. Yeah. For the... Do you know who the last one was? Uh, Roger? I don't know. Rafael Nadal last year. Oh, yeah, of course he was. I've... I'm staggered by that. Oh, that's a good stat, isn't it? Yeah, I, I do I'm, remember. I'm full of good stats. I remember you're not, but uh, <laughs> I remember having this conversation with 
someone last year and being like, how is it? How has Roger not done it at any point? Crazy. There you go. That's just my. Unfortunately, I'm I'm clearly one of the deluded Roger fans. <laughs> Don't I, say that too loudly. I'm not even a Roger fan. <laughs> I can't say that either. What can you say? Well, you I like can Roger and respect what he's I doing. I respect what Roger has achieved. Brit of the year. I can respect Brit of the year as well. Yeah. Uh, four nominees, of course: Carl Edmund, Katie Bolter, Jack Draper, Jamie Murray. This comes with a caveat. Jack Draper wears his. <laughs> Jack Draper wears his baseball cap backwards. I forgot about this. And unfortunately, Jack, I like you. I think you're a good player. I think you've got. A lo- I think you're going to go a long way. But I have to dock your points for wearing a backwards baseball cap. I'm not saying that's why you finished last in this particular vote, <laughs> but it can't help you, can it? Either ditch the hat, maybe turn the hat round. Uh, Jack, if you're listening, do give us a ring, and we'll we'll chat about it. And if there's a really good reason, I will tolerate mitigation. <laughs> If there's a really good reason for you wearing your hat backwards, I'll listen. I'm not saying I'll agree, but I might allow it. In the meantime, forwards hat wearing Carl Edmund has won Brit of the Year with 65% of the vote. No surprise there, was it? No, not really. Uh, Big Carl, hits them all hard. British. Proud final Australian Open. Yeah. First title. Lots of funny football bants with Freddie Rosengren. Um, He's had an excellent year and... Mm. When you consider he had two periods where he was suffering with that illness, you know, could easily have been a top 10 year for Kyle Edmund. That's mm. the level he's been at. So, congratulations to him. Fully expecting him to be nominated for Disappointment of the Year next year. I was <laughs> <laughs> oh, so excited about it, and then he gets injured and nothing happens. That's just the sort of curse we have on this show, to be fair. Match of the Year. Tough one because, you know, we watch so many matches and there are so many great matches. So even nominating, you know, was difficult. Yeah. And there were some great suggestions in this that we'll have to go through the comments of because I can't remember all of them. But there were some very good So the nominations good, good we went for were Djokovic Nadal, Wimbledon semi-final, Wozniacki Halep in the final of the Aussie, Nadal team quarter-final of the US Open. What a match that was. <laughs> uh, and of course, we had a number of nominations. Sharapova versus Halep. Anderson versus Schwartzman at Roland Garros. Yeah, that was a very, very good match. Yeah. Like a... Which you easily forgot about. Uh, Halep, Kerber, or Burton's Kvitova. Yeah. Uh, I was at Burton's Kvitova. That was in Madrid. That was fabulous. And mm. Halep, Kerber was also terrific. And I was torn between that and the Australian Open final for mm. which to nominate. And I just thought, because it was an Aus- a final, had so much drama. The it kind elevates of heat, it. it. It just added that little bit more for me. But that was a terrific match. Uh, yeah, so a number of matches that really we, we would have struggled to include them all. I mean, we couldn't include them all. That's the problem with Twitter. Yeah, I know. Four, no- four, four. categories for each. It's not good enough. I know what you're like. You'd be about 100. <laughs> your inability to make a decision. <laughs> but the winner of the Love Tennis Podcast match here is Djokovic versus Nadal at Wimbledon. I mean, there are so it? many levels. I didn't even I didn't even have the stamina for that. I only lasted the Friday and I barely lasted that. Hard to sum up, but if you had to. Oh, it was the two best players on the planet. One, we weren't sure whether he actually was the best player on the planet or not, proving to us all that he was the best player on the planet again, rising like a phoenix from the ashes. And, you know, that moment in the final set where Djokovic found that forehand with Nadal on break points and essentially match points at that stage Mm. to have found that shot then in that moment, considering, you know, this guy had been at the French Open saying, I'm not sure I'm even going to bother on this grass here. We're all thinking, okay, this guy's mentally done. To come up with that shot in that moment was just the height, the moment of the year, I think, in terms of tennis excitement. Mm. Um, so, yeah, terrific match. 
a worthy winner. Achievement of the year. We have three nominees and then, of course, a few comments. Djokovic's Golden Masters, Federer's 20th Slam, Nadal's 11th French Open, uh, and then a few other ideas. Uh, Sasha's Tour final title, which I think is fair to That's mention, you know, the coming yeah. of age moment. Particularly beating Federer and Djokovic back to back in that. That was a yeah. very good. Uh, but the winner, and this went right down to the wire, Did it, it, it swung so many ways. I'm really excited because I, I checked this an hour ago and it was neck and neck. Well, and... the winner is <laughs> Roger Federer's 20th oh, slam it. with 47% of Ooh. the vote. Djokovic, gold, Djokovic's gold master is 35%. There's, there, look, without an overall majority, there's something to be said for having a runoff here. Uh, and potentially, you know, just we have to award Federer the the award. Well done, Roger. But we might have to run that one off because I think you need an overall majority to really claim the title. Uh, yeah. Is that he, the first one we've not had? No, yes, exactly. It's the first one I so think. So very tight. Yeah, very tight. So what did Rafa get? Only sixteen percent thought 16. Rafa. I think you know what? I think tennis fans, casuals are different, but I think tennis fans and the majority of you are, I think, hard, the hardcore tennis fans. I think they look at Nadal on clay and go, yeah, but it's Nadal on clay, it's one mm. surface. I think they don't see that as quite the same. I think sometimes the same accusation is levelled at Roger, but not clearly not as much. 20 grand slams is absurd. Oh, when you actually yeah. think about the, the longevity involved. Yeah, and to be fair, my own Metro awards, I, I did give Roger the nod myself. I thought, you know, considering, uh, I think I'm right in saying there are only three women who've won more than 20 grand slams. Right. And that's best of three. This is twenty best of five. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty bloody remarkable, particularly mm. considering you've got Djokovic and Nadal kicking around, stopping you getting a lot of them. Great effort. Let's move on to the weird moment of the year, or as actually we had to rename it in uh, in negotiations, yeah. the this weird Nick Kyrgios moment of the year. <laughs> because why would you bother with any other weird moments that aren't <laughs> Nick Kyrgios, really? The risque water bottle. Remind us of the water bottle. <laughs> This is, is going to be a talent of uh, how to describe this. Really. So, Mr. Kyrgios, Queen semi-final against Marin Cilic. Mm. He is sat uh, on the bench. Do you call it the bench? The chair? In the is the chair? Uh, yeah, I suppose it, it will. It, it kind of is a bench, bench at Queen's, is long, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and he is having a bit of fun with his box. He's holding a water bottle. He's shaking it to simulate a, uh, simulating a lewd act. A lewd act, say? that's what they call it, isn't it? A lewd you act. sound like the queen. Um, and he finishes said lewd act by climaxing and squeezing the bottle. Right, lovely. Um, and water flies out, obviously. Delightful. Coaching by an umpire, obviously we can't. Great fun. Mohamed Leani coming down from his chair to, to point out that he likes him. I like you, Nick. Can't do this. Uh, I mean, in all seriousness, that was utterly bizarre looking yeah, back on it. I mean, that was bizarre. crazy. Forgetting his tennis shoes. Yes, oh. I I believe that was Cincinnati. Um, and it really, really funny. I, I don't know if you know Ricky Diamond. At Not all. really. So he's a, he's a journalist, uh, American journalist. He's got a Twitter account. He tweeted this video of Kyrgios forgetting his shoes. It's been banned from Twitter ever since. He really? can't, he can't get wow. on because of that one clip. So I, um, but yeah, basically just Kyrgios just turned up to play a match in basketball shoes, left his uh, tennis shoes inside the locker, had to warm up in his basketball shoes, 
they arrive. While someone runs to get his sandwiches. Crazy. So well, only 19% of you thought that was the weirdest Nick Kyrgios moment of the but year. But if Ricky Diamond wasn't banned, maybe that video would still be there to, you know, mm. jog their memory. R.I.P. Yeah. Ricky. But it was the Mohamed Leani moment with 50% of the vote, which uh, won the weirdest really? Nick Kyrgios moment of the year. Yeah. Wow. Beating the bottle. I think... I suppose people, weirds, maybe. People remember the Leani incident more as well. I think that went round a bit more as well. Like, Kyrgios with the water bottle, it's like, well, it's Kyrgios being Kyrgios. This involved a third party. You went, what on earth is going on? This isn't just Kyrgios. This is something almost bigger than him going on. How much did that get of the vote? 50%. So just... Yeah, just, just 30% risque water bottle. Uh, and that is the last Love Tennis Award. Congratulations to all our winners yeah. and our nominees. And, and thanks so much for voting because we had... You know, I think one of them, about 400 votes. The majority were all around 200 votes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a really good turnout. So it's not just us saying we won them. It was no, nice to get a the, bit of interaction. This is this is the people's vote it that everyone's been vote. asking for. Uh, there were also, there was one award that we wanted to award ourselves. Mm. The Sportsmanship of the Year Award, which we're going to rename after this year's winner. Um, the award is now known as the Kevin Anderson Love Sport not love sport. Love love tennis. Love sports your radio. The Kevin Anderson Love Tennis Sportsman of the Year Award. Very good. Uh, just for being an all-round great bloke, basically. Great bloke. So many great examples throughout the year. I mean, he's literally started uh, an environmental change for the ATP, the way they look at things in terms of plastic. You know, that in itself, great stuff. Good mm. job, Kevin. Um, but also so many accounts from other players Denis Shapovalov is one that sticks out for me in terms of just saying on court the sort of things he would do about when he takes timeouts when he needs an injury timeout he'll only do it uh so not to disrupt you know the uh, opposition whereas you know many players would take that opportunity to actually disrupt mentally the other guy so he's he's a very good guy he wins very fairly very honest guy if you ever get the chance to speak to him on any issue he's one of the best guys to speak to on the tour mm. um he's a, a great bloke so well he's supposed to be a terrific guitarist is that true yeah he that's his like chill he went to a jack johnson concert in the middle of uh wimbledon and that's like his thing he just sits in the evenings and chills out on the guitar just remembered another one he did uh at the atp finals he was donating money to the california fires every time he hit an ace so that was quite a lot of money <laughs> yeah that is a lot of money because <laughs> the man serves big now regular listeners will have heard our interview with jordan wiley last week uh, talking about her comeback from having her first child and back to professional tennis. Uh, she, I'm delighted to say she is already in her first tournament, National Wheelchair Tennis Championships Ladies Singles Champion. Uh, congratulations, Jordan. Remarkable comeback already, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. And great timing for us to have her on just before that. I like <laughs> to think that they're really... I mean, we spoke to her only a couple of days before that, and realistically... I, I don't want to say she should give us some of the prize money, mm. but sort of like ethically, yeah. probably it, it, should. It seems fair. Yeah, okay. No, um, well done, Jordan. They're yes, really congratulations, but you know, you do owe us a few. We also want to change lanes and talk a bit about this Justin Gimmelstop story because it, it's dominated tennis headlines this week, mostly because there's no other tennis going on. Yeah. It's sort of terrible timing from that perspective, but. Well, first of all, why don't you just outline exactly who Justin Gimblestop is? Oh, good question. I mean, he's he, a man with uh, his he, fingers in many pies. Yeah, he seems to have worked with you know plenty of different players. He was a coach for John Isner. Yeah, he was, I think anyone who's been at a John Isner match will know his face or at least his shout. <laughs> so, going back to where he started, he was a tennis player. 
obviously. Yeah. Not a great one um, in terms of singles. I believe his best Grand Slam result was third round US Open. Um, but you can check Wikipedia if you care. But I'm pretty sure that's right. Twice the third round of the US Open, three times third round of Lim- of uh, Wimbledon. There you go. To, but never been. But to... third round. Yeah, exactly. Third round. Still a good effort. Yeah. Um, Dusan Lejovic dreams of those results. <laughs> I reckon he might have been to the third round or something. I'm just checking because I can't. I need to learn his career. You know what? He's been to the fourth round of the French. There you go. Sorry, Dusan. What a Carry guy. on. What a guy. <laughs> Gimmelstob, meanwhile. Gimmelstob, right. So. All right at doubles. Well, yes, okay at doubles. Um. I think he had a semi-final at the Australian Open in Couple of doubles mixed in mixed. mixed was with Venus Williams mm. in '98, which I suspect Do you think that's cheating? is a bit of an advantage. Um, but yes, obviously good enough to win a doubles Grand Slam. So yeah, okay, good player, not great, not someone we'd remember in the pantheon of greats, mm. shall we say? Since then, yes, he's been involved as a coach. Obviously, coached American number one John Isner, um, but. He has also been a kind of contributor to the tennis channel from a broadcasting perspective. Uh, and he's also serving on the ATP board. Mm. Um, now, we won't go into all the details about how the ATP board, because, you know, we will get ATP board. He's, he's a player's rep. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's, he's someone on this board who the players essentially appointed to help discuss things with other tournament directors, I suppose. Mm. Um, now the players obviously during the ATP finals voted off Roger Rashid, um, who was another kind of coach, you know, because they felt he didn't do a good enough job with the CV rights with, deal. Yeah. So now Gimmelstob's situation as has been widely reported. So he's you know arrested for this assault uh, that happened on Halloween uh, with venture capitalists. Venture capitalist. I've forgotten his name off the top of my head. Doesn't really matter. Uh, someone who's friends with his wife. Mm. Um, apparently, we won't go too much into it because obviously he's got he's, in a fight. I guess you got, but he's yeah, he's an, obviously a kind of assault charge. They're looking to downgrade it to a misdemeanor. That should right. be said as well. So they're trying to you know make it a little bit smaller. Mm. Um, now Gimmelstob. There are other allegations that have come from the Telegraph. Now these aren't anything to do with that court case um, but these kind of paint a picture of someone who let's just say if these things were proven to be true wouldn't necessarily be the best face of tennis and it's also been suggested he might replace chris commode in the future Hmm. as the kind of atp supremo look you can go and read about these allegations if you want they're everywhere it's not difficult to find them i think what's salient here is how tennis responds to this now because he's look there's a lot of different allegations flying around which paint the picture of a very bullying character None of which are good. He's he's been controversial in the past at best. You know, there's there's plenty of comments he's made about various female yeah, players. Paul Nakova, really not good. Really unpleasant comments. You know, and if those comments were happening, I think they were 2008. They happened. If they were happening in 2018, it would have been a lot bigger pressure with the kind of social social media storm yeah, and it created. I think, I think we're realizing that that's not okay. Yeah, yeah. That might have been okay ten years ago in tennis. It's not now. Yeah, it was. It wasn't there. It wasn't okay, but it, you know, it was less jumped upon. Society certainly made a shift in that mm. positive direction yeah um now i'm also not i'm not saying look we should ban a guy from his role for something he did 10 years ago you know we've said before that you know we can't it's like serena williams at the us open to say mm. she's got a pattern based on things she did 10 years ago isn't necessarily fair people do change and blah 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 um 
for the allegations, a lot of the stuff around the paddle, the paddle tennis incident, um, where he's made homophobic comments from three separate sources, doesn't create, you know, paint a great picture of this guy. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not convicting him here. I'm not saying he should be kicked off the ATP permanently or whatever. But there's enough coming out from different sources about the same sort of incident that, mm. to me, say he has to go under an investigation from the ATP regardless of these criminal charges because we all mm. know criminal charges are not the easiest to prove. Different, exactly. And the question for tennis is, is this a guy they want potentially to be the face of tennis in the future, the main guy, Chris Camo? Does it paint a good picture if he's made these comments in the past? It's is instant. It building up? It's instant. To me, it, it's, there's no question. And I think you said this to me off air, and I know this is you agree with this, that they should be suspending him. Just just as a cursorial thing, just yeah. like you say, look, it, it's not appropriate for you to be doing stuff at this present moment. It puts you in an uncomfortable position. Yeah. It puts us in an uncomfortable position. Take some time off. Go to Maui. Like, you know, yeah. just go away for a couple of months. We'll have our own investigation into some of the allegations. We'll let the criminal case play out. And after all that's said and done, then we can talk about where we are. Yeah. And he's stepped back from the Tennis Channel. They've released a statement saying he's chosen to step back. Now, if the ATP needs to release a similar statement from that perspective, even if they want to frame it as he's stepping away, I think that there has to be some distance between the two. The ATP can't just let him carry on mucking around doing all this sort of stuff when he's about to appear in court on uh, December 12th, mm. I think it is. So, I, you know, a bit of distance. And the players can vote him off which they're discussing this week, supposedly. So that's going to be interesting. I know he Isner is one of the guys on the council, so I'm not sure if they will necessarily vote him off. But I think they should be certainly voting for some form of investigation into it, an internal one from the ATP mm. that holds things at different standards to a court. You know, from a professional perspective, is this what we want this to look like? Yeah. Because this guy, you know, if he does end up replacing Commode, he would be the public face of tennis. And therefore, has to be an upstanding individual. George has been thinking, which is dangerous. I can assure you, I've seen the results of that sort of behaviour before, and it's not good. But one of the things that you've been thinking about this week, George, is, is changing the tennis calendar. I know you've got a big piece in the offing, but I thought we should give it some time here. It seems to me that there is no lack of appetite for change, certainly in the tennis fandom. Yeah. First of all, do you think that the game is seriously looking at a way to revamp the calendar in the same way that you have? Um, I hope so. I, I think Chris Commode, when he was announcing the ATP Cup, was quite big on saying we need to break down these walls that people own sections of the calendar and we need to do this to promote tennis and you know put this in a positive light. It's not like you live here in the calendar. You have to be willing to be moved around and stuff um it's obviously not that simple as commode himself says it took five years to get this atp cut passed um and obviously tournaments have sponsors and they have things going on so you know when my article comes out this week it's, it's worth remembering that a lot of these changes could take 10 years to implement well you think about the deals that tournaments have in place <clears throat> with sponsors and things they're they're huge they have these deals which you can't actually change because they are 10 yeah. 15 years like ATP months. finals is with london you know that's a three or four year deal mm. in london normally um so that's just one thing that's worth saying none of these changes will ever be speedy but they are things that should be really worth thinking about and there were some fantastic suggestions um but i'm going to ask you first james if you could change one thing 
the ATP calendar, what would you change? Uh, I think I'd have more grass court tennis. Because grass I, course masters? Yeah, I mean, that would be the way to do it, wouldn't it? You, you would force more grass court tennis by having a grass court masters. I think if you're going to have a slam on, on grass, then it makes sense to give the guys a six-week swing of grass court tennis because... You know, some of them will. I mean, I think it gets to a point where some of them will just skip it. Some of them just go, well, it's not even worth it because of what you have to go through when you change surface. Especially when you go from clay to grass, mm. which is the two extremes. The, the What you have to go through to do that as a player is so taxing physically. I think it's unfair just to have a slam there. Also, from like a British perspective, you'd see more tennis in Britain. Might benefit a guy like Rafa as well, who's obviously done so well on clay, and that often. Uh is a detriment to his grass court preparation because he's always playing so much on the clay season. If you added another couple of weeks, maybe we'd see the best of him at Wimbledon more regularly. Yeah, I mean, the thing is it relies upon a shorter schedule. I mean, you just have to play less tennis. Yeah. Um, uh, I think grass court, grass court tennis is one of the great pleasures in life. I think the aesthetics of it are brilliant. I know it has lots of things wrong with it and the types of courts, the change in... Uh, even the change in grass that they use, they use meadow grass at Wimbledon for a long time, and in 02, I think they changed it to rye grass, and it changed the way the, the game was played. Yeah. And yeah, there are issues, but I, I love watching grass court tennis. I love playing grass court tennis. It's great. It's what tennis is supposed to be played on. There we go. What do you think they started playing on? Probably dirt. Probably. Yeah. Um, what about yourself, George? What's your biggest. If you could only make one change, what would it be? Uh, well. So just to give you a brief idea where I came from with this article, obviously there was these, we spoke about these comments actually between Djokovic, Federer and Zverev about their changes. So you have to go back and listen to the last podcast about that. But it was essentially a battle between jobs for the many, keeping the schedule shortened for the top guys as well, because it is a ridiculously long season. Mm. So I came into this thing, this article thinking, right, I'm going to solve both these problems. So the obvious first change in my head going into it was, I'm going to shift the Australian back into February mm. and have a kind of warm-up period or whatever um, and just you know, give guys more option to start their season later, kind of push the first big event back. Then I've made some other changes in there and whatever. But as I've got digging and digging and digging and looking into things and running all these numbers and calculations, I just could not get away from the environmental factors that this sport we just never really talk about. I've not mm. really seen anyone talk about it that much. Um, and I've always been bothered by, you know, the tennis calendar going from Australia to the States into Europe and then back to the States. I just hate that swing and I hate it going back to Europe at the end of the season as mm. well. So I, I really don't think it should go back on itself. It should be a continent by continent move. Um, and we should be looking to s- significantly reduce the environmental damage. It's, it's obviously not going to be great for the environment in any way, having a global sport that travels around. But the ATP and the WTA need to do more about that. how that's organised. So I, I would, if you call that one change, I'd make it a continental shift throughout the season. Is that, is that yeah. can I call it that? Organise it more, basically. Organise it more. So that is what I've done for them. And you can see next week uh, a big detailed layout of this. Uh, early plot reveal, it involves Indian Wells out of the calendar completely. Basically, because there's already enough tournaments in America. Well, I was trying to get it in in America, but the way I've rescheduled it, um, it's going to be too hot to play. So you're going to it, make yourself very popular. It's going to go. Sorry, Larry Ellison. <laughs> well, George is always making himself popular. 
what sort of stood out on on Twitter? Which ideas did you really like? There was one which made me laugh, which was Matt Siegel saying, "I was thinking hard, but I really like the calendar." <laughs> I was like, "You might be the only person who thinks that." <laughs> I had, you know, pretty much probably about a hundred people responding to this, and just one person saying, "I love the calendar." Mm. I was like, "Good on you, Matt." Uh, Johnny Pride of Sputin saying, two clay slams." Two clay slams. That's I think pretty unpopular. A, I think yeah, that didn't go down that well. There was one really funny one that made me laugh, uh, saying that Roland Garros should be downgraded to an ATP 250. I thought that was very. <laughs> Very, very funny. Um, Some anti-rapper there. I would postpone it. This is Olinda or Alter Alter A two to give her her Twitter handle name. I would postpone the Australian Open to a later date. Firstly, to avoid the traditional heat of the Australian summer, and secondly, to give players more time for adequate preparation to avoid haste. I think that's interesting as well. The heat of Melbourne is brutal. Yep. And I appreciate that there are, you know, obviously, and, and this is the thing, every time you say, no, let's move this later, you go, oh, but it has a knock-on, 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 yeah, knock-on yeah. which is why you have to rip it up and start again. But that, for me, when it just comes to player welfare, putting early season tennis players into 35, 40-degree heat seems pretty harsh to me. Yeah, and, you know, this is another point about tennis needing to adapt going forward. The uh, landscape's changing in terms of temperatures in countries, how mm. much hotter, global warming. Mm. Uh, Australia was unbearably hot, by all accounts, this year. Mm. Uh, you know, they're closing the roof for the men's final. Is that really... I mean, that shouldn't have been closed anyway, but we've we've gone on about that <laughs> enough. Um, but, you know, that that doesn't really paint, paint a picture that they're playing that at the right time. So I, I'm an advocate for starting that, actually, a month later in my new calendar. Wow. Um, so that that's... That's pretty exciting. Uh, a lot of people saying kind of shorten the season, which I think is something we all want to do. Um, but I think... So I'll tell you my little solution for shortening the season Get without in. boring you too lo- too much. It's a a tri... kind of a tripod uh, starting system. One in Europe, one in South America, and one kind of Australasia. Mm. So you've got three points where players can go from their home bases and choose when to start, almost like a pre-season tour in those little places. Sure. Got three events in each area, so players from there can choose to go as and when they want. So big players right. don't have to go. And then that builds up to the ATP Cup, which starts in February. So that's the first big event. So those would all be 250s, maximum 500s, those three events. Then you've got the ATP Cup, which is worth 750 points. You might consider that to be your Masters event before yeah. the Australian Open. Australian Open, off to Europe for some of the uh, hardcore events that are normally at the end of the year. A few of the mm. indoor hard ones there. Um, and then into the clay swing, into the grass that I've extended, putting in a grass masters. Haven't decided where to put that, but that is there. Putting Miami into the American swing mm. as part of long that. Sorry, Indian Wells, it's too hot <laughs> for you to go there. Going to Shanghai. Oh, actually, no, I've got a little African swing after um, the US Open. You remember I said you were going to try not to bore me? Yeah, okay. Little African swing into Shanghai via Delhi, actually, just in case they want to start a new one in India to okay. hit a new market. Uh, and then ATP Finals finishes in Tokyo, which is one of the main bidders for it and makes sense in an environmentally friendly calendar. George, that's thrilling. I'm so, so exciting. I bet people are going to be really interested by that. I think, uh, I, I mean, it's legitimately, I think you should try and sell that to the ATP and they will go, no. 
can you imagine the logistics? I'll be but... reaching out for comment from them this week, and I'll let you know what they say. No less, thank you very much for your efforts. Thank you very much for your presence here today, George. Congratulations to all the award winners. Yes. Your checks are in the post. They're, they're blank. Might get lost. <laughs> that could actually, yeah. Yeah, they're going quite time. far around the world, aren't they? Raw, well, with... mostly to Serbia, but yeah. uh, nevertheless, we'll send we'll send we'll send you some trophies, Novak. We know we know how much you like them. We know how much they are valued. Uh, this is perhaps perhaps our last pod of 2018. I'm not promising because I have some things in the pipeline, but it might be our last pod of 2018. Yeah, we'll we'll watch this space. There's quite a lot of potential things in the pipeline that might cause a rush if, um, my ma- if my magic phone starts buzzing magic phone um, and then we know but it is equally actually a very very busy time well, for we many will, other things so we'll, we'll just have to wait and we see we will either but... see you just before Christmas or we'll see you in the new year when it all starts again, again. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.